0: Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. All right, so open up your book there, the Bible, or click on it, what have you got there, to Philemon. It sticks together between everything. All right, once you go past Titus, here's Philemon. Now, you may, saw, you may call him Philemon, whatever you want to call him. <clears throat> I guess either way is right or wrong. It doesn't matter. I call him Philemon because it's too close to Philippians, okay? So I call him Philemon so I can say Philippians. There's too many Philips and Philippi and Phi and all that stuff. So I call him, look, Philemon, all right? You're talking about pray, maybe, let's see, 25 verses. Not even. It doesn't even get a chapter. Poor Philemon. He, don't, he does not get a chapter. All he has is little numbers by his letter, you know? He's only one of the only epistles there if if you want to call it that. Interesting thing about Philemon, it's a book we're going to talk today about. It's a lot of controversy in this book, especially in, um, in unbelieving circles. So I'm going to address a couple of things today. It's going to be pretty, uh, may make some of you guys nervous, may make, uh, people like, oh my gosh, what else is he going to get into? But we're going to do it anyway. It'll be fun. And by the time we're done, you'll either love me or hate me. And so we'll see how it goes. But, um, I will get into some things today. I just want you to make it clear. I will say a couple things today in regards to, um, uh, things surrounding some marital things. Uh, there you go. I'm trying to keep it PG right now. So if that if you're concerned about anything, I might say that might be conversations around a PG 13, maybe uh, closer, maybe a little bit above that. Conversations and words your kids already heard anyway if they're in school or anywhere else. But I'm just saying I will say a couple of things if that's gonna if you're in the next 10 minutes. So if if you want to think about that, do whatever you need to do there. But you know it's not going to be that big a deal. I just like to forewarn people before I do. So. Philemon, though, is a very controversial book. Many times in unbelieving circles, because that, because they take the words that and the culture and the, the the background of Philemon, and they they built it upon this idea, because this one individual Onesimus in the book there was a runaway slave, and so therefore there is this conversation that goes on with Philemon that because of its Christianity based, and somehow Paul seems to agree with this that well, then Christians must agree with slavery, and therefore that's the problem with Christianity. And, of course, it goes on and on from there, right? <clears throat> We're going to talk some about that. Why does that seem like that's in the book of the Bible there? And the the problem or the difficulty with Philemon, I should say, That's that's what I'm just going to title this today. Normally, I've been just using the book of the Bible, but I'm going to call this the difficulty with Philemon. That's a difficult thing to hear, that when you read this, you're going to read Paul is speaking to Onesimus, and he is basically sending him back to Philemon, who seems to be an associate or someone that Paul knows. And and Onesimus is a runaway slave. Most cultures, I mean, most uh, theologians will tell you, it seems like there are some that say, no, he was probably a minister or this and that, that. But most theologians say Onesimus was a runaway slave. And this is in Roman times, okay? You need to understand the difference in history. And I'll get into some of that in a minute. But he he ran away, and it seems like from theologians he stole something. It seems like. We don't know for sure, but most theologians agree. It seems like he stole something, he ran away. And somehow he gets to Paul. I guess he's coming for, I don't know, a Christian forgiveness, it seems like, or whatever it is. But he converts to Christ, and so Paul sends him back. And so this is what people have a hard time with this, because they say, well, how can he do that? Why would he send him back into servitude? So we're going to get into that in just a moment as well. But I want to say this as we go into today. There are difficult things in the Bible. Can we just all agree? There are difficult things in the Bible. No doubt about it. There are difficult subjects in the Bible. And I just don't believe any longer we need to tiptoe around stuff that's in the Bible and act like it's just not there. I think if you tiptoe around it, first of all, we're not helping anybody in the world who doesn't know Christ because when we try to hide or tiptoe around it, they look and say, well, you're not willing to talk about it. So therefore, why should we agree or listen to you about Jesus? And, and so therefore, but at the same time, I have a big problem with allowing culture to dominate the conversation about Christianity, about things they have no knowledge of. You cannot take an unbelieving person with no spiritual rebirth in christ and allow them to dictate the conversation of a spiritual born-again experience that happens through jesus christ when you allow culture to dictate the conversation and we sit back and just be quiet we don't talk about it they push the narrative and we're left just going well i don't know because we won't read our bibles we won't talk about it so therefore we're just like well we don't want to talk i just kind of just we don't want to talk about it. we'll just pray and worship it's not helping Because people are reading more. Y'all heard of something called Google, right? They can Google anything now. And God bless us. It used to be people who would just pick at things and they would just go. But now you have clergy and pastors. I just read another article yesterday from a prestigious area where a guy tried to convince people that Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed for the issues of the sexual immorality in that region. But it was because of their lack of hospitality, I mean, basically, they didn't bring the people, you know, sweet tea when they should have. And so God said, boom, meteorites, take you out, baby. There you go. That is the most ridiculous thing ever. But when you allow culture to say things, Christians who don't know any better get scared and go with them because they don't want to offend anybody. So therefore, they're now trying to align with culture because we don't want to make anyone angry at us. But I got news for you. The Bible will offend you. If you, it will offend you until A, you repent and turn to Christ or you run from Him, but it will not hide or sugarcoat things in our lives. It just won't do it. So, what does that mean? Well, first of all, I'm not a politician. Haley gets real nervous because I get torp about things and I'm like, man, I'll tell you what, I think I can. Jody, you do not need to try to do anything in that area. Please do not, please do not. You know, I get, you know, you get fired up when you see stuff and hear stuff for a long like, Man, I think I could do that. I'll tell you what, I can't do any worse than that guy. You know what I'm saying? So she's like, please, please, please don't do that. Just, yeah, she's begging. I think she's praying and all that stuff. I'm not, but I just, you know, I like to just kind of throw by my moment in like everyone else. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like, I think I could fix it. So, anyway. <clears throat> the problem today, is we're not, I'm not a politician. I'm a pastor. You can call preachers, pastors, prophets, whatever you want to call them, all the P letters. It don't matter to me. What are you going to call us? We're not politically correct people. I'm not going to be mean, but I'm not going to be politically correct either when I talk to you today about this, okay? So, the problem in our culture is something that we're doing, and it's become very, very evident now, is this idea of what we're doing is taking something, and it's this word called presentism, It it is something that we are doing and we do now consistent. Every single day, somebody on the social media, you know, with their keyboard courage is doing it. Someone makes the wrong statement. God forbid anyone says anything that's not perfectly designed by a spokesperson. And the blogosphere and Twitter sphere and social media sphere, everybody goes, (gasps) and they just get all mad and angry. And now they cancel people and all this stuff. And here's why. Because of presentism. They make judgments, i put the definition up, this is from Webster's, this is not from a theological book, although Webster was a believer, this is not from a theological, this is from your dictionary that, you know, every kid has access to. Presentism, is this the uncritical adherence to present day attitudes, especially the tendency to interpret past events in terms of modern values and concepts? It's when we look back and say, you know, I can't believe they would do that. Well, it's because you live here. It's because you live here. And it doesn't excuse what you look back on. But there's this whole group of people now, even in Christian circles... Who say and they use this same poor logic of interpretation to support their other odd ideas that somehow God, you know, is this this? He's up there in heaven. He supported slavery, he, like he doesn't forgive divorce. He's all against all immigrants, and and you know what? And he approves of all the definitions, or he's against all other types of marriages. He doesn't agree with any gender, and of course, he's got to be white. <laughs> That's got to be the problem. Told you, I'm not going to be politically correct. I had a fill out application the other day. I got tired of looking at it. Our staff is diverse, so I freely... I, listen, me, Pastor Steve, and Pastor Victor, okay? It sounds like a, a goofy bar joke, okay? A white guy, black guy, and a Hispanic goes into a bar. That's what it sounds like. On our team, we cut up. We're very loose in conversation. If I make you nervous, I hate it for you, but we, I'm just going to talk like I, we talk to each other. I got tired of looking at the application. The only two people on there, out of the argument, it's black or white, but everybody else gets to be something American. So I said, well, you know what? White is not a race. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of pinning us against white versus black consistently. So what I did, I said, I'm other. Other what? I don't know. I'm just American. <laughs> I refuse. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of them pinning us up against each other. Well, you must be white or black, but everybody else gets to pick what they are. Asian. Y'all get to pick stuff. I'm an Asian American. See, you got, you got, I'm thinking about You kind of got, like no, not white and black. Let's keep fighting. Let's just keep stirring that pot till we can just fight more. And as Christians, we've got to realize what's going on, that they're just trying to make us fight with each other so we can't proclaim the truth and help people who need to come to Christ. So I picked him. He said, what did you put that down? I said, I don't know. The best I can tell by my last name is there's got to be some Irish in there because all of them come up from the south side of Ireland. So I got a little something in there with that, I know. English side, my grandfather, Williams, I guess there's got to be some English in there. I don't know. I'm just going to put down, though, I'm tired of putting down, I'm white. It's just ridiculous. So, God is not white. He's just not. Jesus isn't white. If you ever watched that movie First Sunday, like, y'all should see it, man. One of my favorite movies ever. I know it's, look, I get it. I'm not advocating that you watch, you keep your whatever you need to watch and do whatever. But I'm just telling you, if you want to laugh, do it don't put your little kids in there but i'm telling you it is ice cubes in there i forget uh, tracy uh i forget his last name but anyway it's hilarious they're stealing money from the church and this is long backstory but when they do they're in the thing they get the flashlight ice cube looks at him he's like come on let's go let's go he's what are you doing he said he keep looking he said he keep looking at me he said who's looking at you he goes why Jesus. He's so scared. And if you've ever seen the pictures of Jesus that have the eyes that look at you like this, and you go on this side of the room, and it's almost like he goes. <laughs> That's what it was. But Jesus isn't white. He's just not. He's really not at all. He wasn't, he wasn't white. If you go to Israel, no one over there is like white. And they don't even get in this conversation. It's just here because we like to let people stir us up. But when we're not clear with scriptures, we distort the truth and it brings bondage. And Jesus said, You should know the truth. Church will what? But if you don't tell people the truth, then what? They're in, you can't skirt the issue. So, Jesus said, You want to be free? Truly, truly, I say unto you, everyone who commits the sin, commits sin, is the slave of sin. These guys were telling him, We're not enslaved to anybody, the Pharisees. And Jesus was like, Uh, yeah, you know, um, the Romans are present. You do realize that, right? they kind of running things. Don't you understand? You're, you're enslaved right now. You just don't even realize it. What about the Babylonian Empire? Don't you remember those guys? Egypt? Anybody remember them? And The thing I love about this, when people like to say that God is supporting slavery, here's the funny thing. Y'all do know, he is the one that raised up Moses and said, let my people, if God is for slavery, why would he send Moses in to get people out? That is ridiculous. But when you take it out of its context, in one book of the Bible called Philemon, it makes it sound like, well, Paul sent this guy back to be a slave. Why would he do that? And it's a very good question. But when we don't give the truth, it affects things in a negative way. So I'm going to share a couple of things. A side note that, that I really felt like the Lord wanted me to share today. This is going to seem like was have to do with this topic. Well, I don't know, but I just felt like I needed to say it. That's like somebody in here. Y'all, y'all, maybe you need to hear this. In the 1980s, I grew up in the 80s. Best music? Yeah, baby. I see that hand. I see it. Right? Best music. My kids tell me about music now. They got tired of what's coming out now, so they went back. They've, they've gone back because it's like, it's just the same old bong chica bong chica bonch. bing, bing, bong chica bong chica bong bing, 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 bing. bong. Bonch. Bing, bing, bing. Ah, 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 ah. bonch. So they went back. They went back, right? They found some real music, right? So, and I cut up when I say that's when people had to play instruments. They did not have a button they could just press. Oh, that sounds so amazing. Oh, no, that's live, It's real. So anyway, but in the 80s, um, th- there was something that took place, especially in church. It was very divisive. And if you were a part of this, um, you would remember this. But in my family, my mom, my dad, they divorced when I was about a year, one year of age. And in the 80s, there was a lot of this that took place, and for different reasons. But they n- labeled us as latchkey kids. I don't know if you remember the term Y'all remember that? Anybody called a latchkey kid? Wasn't that just glory? You're like, well, thanks a lot, you know? Well, latchkey kid, what does that even mean? I don't know. I mean, it started in the 40s and 50s, mostly when men were at war, and and a lot of times women had to work, and so kids were at home and, and those kind of things. But, man, the 80s, it really took up a lot of steam, but it was because of high divorce rates. And what made it worse was that when you would come to Christian circles is a lot of times people would criticize and say, well, if you were divorced then you've committed some sort of adultery if you remarry, And that took its toll on many many a family. I remember my mom told me stories as I got older, and I just couldn't believe what I would hear. And I was thanking God that I wasn't around any of that because um, it probably would have really affected my viewpoint on Christianity. And the thing is, they get this idea from Jesus, and I'm saying this because I want you to see how slanted theology can get when you don't know what you're talking about, when people say things because... They, they're based on their own experience. They don't read or, or take things for, for face value, what Jesus said. They took this one verse of what Jesus said about divorce, and he said basically they took out of the King James, which is a very poor translation. I hate it if you don't like that, but it's the worst translation possible you can read from, even the New King James. It's terrible. If you look on a scale, I can show you a map, a scale of translation from the original Greek and Hebrew. It's on one of the poorest English translations you can get. One of the closest ones is probably the English Standard Version or the New American Standard Bible, which is what I use is one of the closest accurate English translations you can actually read because it's a dynamic equivalency translation. It's not a thought for thought. King James was instituted by the government. You understand? Think about it for a moment. You really want them guys involved with your theology? I don't think so. So because they took this one scripture where Jesus said that basically if you divorce and remarry, you've committed adultery. And without reading the context and understanding things, and they built doctrine on it. And so, those of us who were kids who grew up in that, man, it was rough hearing some of this stuff. Because my mom got remarried, and so then I'm hearing people say this, and then you're like, and then families are like upset. Well, no wonder, nobody wants to go to church. Can you see the problem, right? All because I'm not taking the time to read. So I'm going to read this to you this morning because I feel like I don't know who you are, but I, you may say, what does it have to do with Philemon? absolutely nothing other than the fact that you can misinterpret scripture and make a doctrine out of it or a dogma that's not true so let me read to this to you from mark 10 and verse 2 this is jesus being very clear and i'm reading this to you from the message this is a paraphrase but it is one of the best explanations of this and i'll tell you why i'm using this in a moment okay because it sounds like well if you're using the message why do you criticize the king james well i'll explain just a minute why okay so the pharisees came up to jesus intending to give him a what you know, when you want to give somebody a hard time, what are you doing? You already know. You're building a case against them, aren't you? So they asked him the question, is it legal for a man to divorce his wife? The original is like this. Is it legal for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Okay? And Jesus said, well, what did Moses command? Well, see, there's the key right there. Before we do any further in the 80s, we should have went back and read what did Moses command. In the Old Testament, divorce was permitted. In the Old Testament, there were reasons for it, it could happen. It was a legal process you went through and it was clear in the Old Testament how to go through it. It was as clear as could be. How this turned into what it did in the 80s, I don't know, but it did. So Jesus, what did Moses command? Well, they said, well, Moses gave permission to fill out a certificate of dismissal and divorce her. Well, so Jesus said, Moses wrote this command only as a concession to your hearted hearted ways. And he's doing this and he's going to explain why he said that. In the original creation, God made male and female to be together. And because of this, a man leaves a father and a mother, and in marriage, he becomes one flesh with a woman, no longer two individuals, but forming a new unity. If you want to know God's view on marriage, here's Jesus supporting God's view on marriage right here. Because God created this organic union of the two sexes, or you would have read it, or heard it this way, because what God joins together, let no man divide us under, right? That's what you probably heard it this way. So because God created this organic union of the two sexes, male and female, no one should desecrate this art by cutting them apart. So when they were back home, this is the disciples. They always asked, the, remember they did the follow-up when they got home because they dare not ask him anything in public. Like, uh, you know, he really gets on them guys a lot. Ah, let's wait till you get back to eat dinner when no one else is there. Then if I look like a fool, it's just in front of you guys, okay? I don't want to do it in front of everybody. So when they were back home, the disciples brought it up again. and So Jesus gave it to them straight. A man who divorces his wife, watch this, three words, so he can now, I'm going to give you the heart behind this. Watch what he says. So he can marry someone else, commits adultery against her. And a woman who divorces her husband, so she can marry somebody else, commits adultery. Without explaining that, you might think, well, my gosh, that's awful. I mean, you can't believe Jesus. Jesus hates divorced people. And that's what people would say. And they take one verse out of Malachi where God said that he does hate divorce. But he does not say he hates the person. And the reality is, here's what was happening. Why did Jesus say that? Here's what they did. You can't imagine. Because we think in the Bible, we think these terms. Again, we're not going to hide from the scripture. We're going to be straight up this morning with it, all right? We think in terms of the Bible, we think, oh, they must have been this just Christian men. You know, they came home at night and just rubbed their wives' feet. They had no, they were just so holy, these priests, and they had their glorious robes, and they just walked on clouds of glory. Them jokers, Jesus called them vipers. Why do you think he did that? Because they were evil. He called them an adulterous generation because all they wanted to do was try to trick him and not believe the scriptures. They would divorce each other over silly stuff. I'm not talking about, and I'll, talk, I'll give you some Bible definitions here in a minute. If he didn't like the makeup she had on, no joke, he'd divorce her. Like girl, I ain't liking what you got on today. You didn't put enough rouge on, so I'm you out. And it wasn't because he just didn't like the makeup. Here's the problem. He's dating, he's married to Sally, but he looks over and sees Sue and goes like, hey, Sue. He's so he's now looking at his wife and he goes, I gotta find something wrong with her. But she don't cheat. There were penalties for adultery in the Bible. She has nothing to do with adultery. She don't cheat. She's a good woman. She takes care of the kids. She does the family business, whatever. She's a good person. There's nothing wrong with her. But because she didn't do her eyeliner right, there's something wrong. There's a flaw. They would do that and leave her. So why? Because he's checking out Sue. Sue, baby, Sue. You know, he's like, not get her, go for Sue. The ladies were no different. If they saw another guy they liked, they said, hey. You know, Fred, he's getting that dad bod going on. Like you all know, like, I'm a dad, I'm a dad bod. You know, he's like... He's kind of getting a little, you know, chunky chunky. And like she sees a guy a little bit younger and says, Hey man, man, he's got money too. I gotta find something wrong with Fred. And this went on all the time. It was ridiculous. And so we built this in the 80s, and my family heard this kind of stuff. My mom heard this kind of stuff. You remarry, you're an adulteress. How foolish. To tell someone something like that. When there's provisions in the Old Testament and new. And as a pastor, I have advocated for some people to get a divorce. You know why? Because they needed to. Now, I don't advocate for it because they don't like the makeup. Give me that mess. I'm going to be like, man, you better get your stuff together. I'm not talking to you about that. But let me give you a couple of thoughts. God made this. And what it sounds like, if you're looking at the Old Testament, with these Pharisees and what they were doing, it sounds like a, I don't mean to pick, but just... And I, Hayley says, I shouldn't say that. I am going to pick. But just hear me out a minute. I got a teenager, right? So full disclosure, right? But it sounds like a teenage romance, does it not? It's like, oh, well, you, you know, I'm on, oh, I'm dating this one this week. And here comes a better one. Oh, she, What? I'm going to leave her and go out with this one. And before long, you know, we're, oh, wow. And I'm just telling you, can I just, can I just encourage you young guys that, that you're looking and I get it and they're looking at you. You know, and you think, oh, man, he's kind of cute. He might be kind of cute. But first, I tell my girls first, does he have a job? Well, no, then cute ain't in the window. (laughs) Why? Because cute leads to more things. And if the brother ain't got a job, nothing else should be going on. Right? He can be cute all day long. But here's the problem. If he's so cute, ask him to be committed to you. Find out how what, we gonna date exclusively? Well, no, 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 no. Well, I ain't dating you. Why would you date somebody that bounces from? I don't get that. You can't look. When I started dating Haley, here's a, no joke. Pre Christ, look, I made a lot of mistakes before Jesus, plenty, and 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 I don't have to get into all that. Just I made plenty. But after Jesus, I'm going in this direction with Christ. I see her, my thought was, I only want to date that woman right there. My heart said, I'm one day, if Ronnie don't kill me, (laughs) I'm going to ask her to marry me (laughs) exclusively. I'm not looking for anybody. I said, what, that one over there, let me see. No, no, no. If they won't commit to you, why would you go out with them? i ain't talking about marriage. I'm talking about just, hey, well, I got this girl on the side. She's my friend. Whatever that joker. Don't listen to him. Girls, just trust me. Listen, don't listen to that joker. He's anyway. I just say that because that's what this sounded like to me. But God made provisions for a divorce. Pastor, Charlie, what does this have to do with Philemon? I'll get wrapped up here in just a second. God made provisions for a divorce, and He listed it all throughout the Bible. These four things consistently throughout Scripture. If there was abuse, then yes. They, they, they were permitted. And it's still in the Bible today. It's very clear in Scripture if there was abuse, if there was abandonment. I mean, what is somebody supposed to do? My mom, my dad left, left with me, left me at a bar at one years of age. No one knew where I was at. It took him almost a week to find me. What is she supposed to do? See, logical Christians would say, kick him out. A stupid Christian would say you ought to stick with him. Yeah, I said stupid Christian because I've heard worse. guy beats a woman and some idiot pastor says, well, y'all just love him. No, what you should do is call 911, kick his tail out. We'll help you if you need help and get you some safe space. We'll figure it out. But you don't put up with an abusive person, period. That's ridiculous. That's not Christ-like. Adultery. And then, or abdication. This one's very interesting because, biblically speaking, when a man, and particularly Paul talks about this, but it could be a man or a woman, when either one of the two decides that they're no longer at the wheel, you know what I mean by that? They checked out. Like, lights are on, but nobody's home kind of thing. Like, they, they don't do anything to contribute. They're, they're, just, they're just gone. They may be there in person, but they don't care. The Bible says, if you don't take care of your own family member, you're worse than an unbeliever. And someone is not supposed to sit around and prop somebody else up while they sit at home watch TV all day long. Don't do anything to help. Don't take care of the kids. She's running around taking kids to everything. And everything. He's just sitting at home all day long. Give me a break. And you can't say you can't find a job. <laughs> I said, you can't say you can't <laughs> find a job. Man, there's jobs everywhere right now. But when someone abdicates their role, the other person is left going, what am I supposed to do? And and foolish Christians say things like, well, y'all just work it out. Well, If if you can work it out, work it out. But how many of you know, old school, it takes two to what? To tango, baby. You can't tango. It looks weird when you're trying to tango by yourself. You need a partner. Now, I said that because I, I just felt like in my heart there's some of you here, you need to let go of that. Someone's told you somehow that God doesn't love you because you've been remarried or because you had to go through a divorce. Listen, that is not true. Things happen. Things go wrong. And here's the thing I always hated about it. Those of us who never got married but made big mistakes in other relationships, you understand what I'm saying? Like wrong, should have never been with that person, but we was. How come we're not held to the same kind of thing? Because... It's in the Bible very clear. So let's don't pick on it. Let's let people go through stuff and get healed and let God do a great work. And the wonderful thing, here's what I've seen is when people many times that are remarried, God bless them with someone that is so much more than they could ever expect. So much more than they ever dreamed. They can't even, they're like, golly mercy, I can't believe what God gave me. Some I mean, of you guys in here right now, you didn't know, like, yeah, the Lord blessed you. You might want to tell her, you know, you married up, way up, out of your league. You know it. You might want to look and say, He's right, baby. I, I really did. It gets you some points later. I'm just telling you, you better make sure you tell her. And, ladies, you know as well as I do, there's some guys that you got that are like, man, you know what? God really blessed me. He really did. But as Christians, we shouldn't hold on to this idea. The stigma that people have given that God didn't make provisions for this in the Old Testament and the New doesn't give an excuse to go out there and say, "Well, I like that girl, so I'm gonna leave this for that." And then leave them. That. That, they did this twenty, thirty times over. It's ridiculous. But things happen. Things go wrong, and God is there to help us along the way. You say, now what does this have to do with Philemon and Onesimus, though? Well, this idea that easily comes about because when we don't understand Scripture. We make these judgments and these belief systems that aren't true. And this is what happened in the area of Philemon. When you read this story this week, you have to ask yourself, why would Paul seemingly excuse slavery and tell Onesimus to return? When you read it, you'll also read this about Paul. He'll say, "This is a short book, this ain't going to take long. So it's 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 not even a book, it's more like a letter. But um, why would he send him back? Well, it makes sense if you understand the culture. If, if Onesimus did steal something from his owner and is now wound up over by Paul, he converts to Christ and Paul says to him, listen, Onesimus, you got to go back. But when you go back, take this letter with you to Philemon. So well, why didn't Paul just tell him to run the other direction? Well, see, that only works if you judge by presentism. You judge in what you know about the history of slavery in our nation. If you study anything about Harriet Tubman and what she did in the Underground Railroad, you would say, well, why didn't they just run like she helped people run away? Why couldn't they run? That only worked for a season until they passed new laws and it, it just destroyed the whole work Till they had to keep going up into Canada to get away because of the problems that with the laws. And what we do is when we base our culture of what we know and we try to layer that into a Roman culture, you misunderstand theology. In the Roman culture, many people were slaves because they were prisoners of war. Everybody had slaves in the Roman culture. Everybody. Did it make it right? No. Did Paul want to send him back? No. Did God approve of the slavery? No. He's the guy who initiated the Egyptian exodus. And let me give you a scripture just so you can understand this. This is Paul in 1 Corinthians 7.20. Each man must remain in the condition that he was called. Were you called into Christ while you were a slave? Don't worry about it. But if you're able to become free, do it. Paul is not against, he's not for slavery. He's actually wanting to help. But he knows something about this culture in Rome. As a runaway slave in their culture, they were branded with certain markings or different things. You're caught, it's a death sentence. It's not even like, there's no mercy. The Romans, you can't even begin to imagine. When you talk about the crucifixion of Christ, they in the streets of Jerusalem, outside of Jerusalem, where the olive trees are, they would take prisoners and take the Jews. They would nail them to the olive trees as means of a proof so they don't mess with us. They ran out of crosses. They were the most you just didn't risk it with the Romans. And Paul is looking as a Roman going, you cannot, you're not going to get away from this. Is it make it the best? No. Why didn't Paul stand up for him? Well, he's in prison. Why, why didn't Paul do this? Why, I don't, there's so many questions we could ask, but I'm just telling you in their culture, it was a death sentence for Onesimus. The best thing Paul could look at and say, look, man, I don't want to do this, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to write this letter. And he says to Philemon, listen, He's coming back to you. And whatever he did, whatever he stole, whatever the issue was, we don't know exactly, but whatever it was, Paul says, I want you to put it, watch this, on my account. You charge it to me, I'll pay it. Now, guys, if you don't see redemption in that, we're missing the biggest story of all that God has. Paul is saying, listen, I don't agree with this. I don't like it. I don't want this to happen. I don't understand why but I'm just saying he's, I know he has to go back if he doesn't he's a dead man put his charge on my account I'll pay for it redemption in its most beautiful form in our culture today you look around you we ask a lot of questions they say there's enough food that we could feed every person on the planet but I've watched kids starving with their bellies protruding out with intestinal worms and whatever else is there because they have no food. But they tell me there's enough food to feed them all, but yet we don't. They say that there's more than enough of us if we all did our part we could easily eradicate poverty. But it doesn't happen. They say all these different things can and should be done and can I just tell you a the truth about the matter right now, slavery still exists today. It's all over the world. Atlanta, you're not even 45 minutes an hour outside of the hub of Atlanta that sex trafficking takes place so rampant. You may not even realize this, but it's there. My cousin's a state trooper. They've stopped and caught so many different people on the way. It's real. It's right there running. But they say we can stop it. There's enough of us that do, we we could fix it, but we don't. Why? Because there's something wrong with all of us. It's why this is in the Bible. And I love that God doesn't hide this and doesn't try to make it too pretty. He says, here's the bad and the ugly, and I don't like it either, but here it is. Well, what's the problem? Why can't we fix all this? Why does it seem like, like Paul ignores slavery? Why does it seem like God ignores slavery? Why does it seem like it's provisions made for it in the Bible? I mean, for goodness sakes... Paul tells us how a, a, a slave should respond to a master in the Bible. Well, why? It is because of something in all of us that's messed up. And that's our heart. It's our heart. God said from the time of Noah that man was so flawed. And this is what, let me read this here from Genesis 6, 5. He said, the Lord saw the wickedness of man it was so great upon the earth and that every intent and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he made man and it grieved him in his heart. And he says for this reason, he, he permitted man to only live. His days would be numbered to around 120 years. Could you imagine what would happen if we were stronger? Can you imagine the evil and the atrocities that you would see if Hitler would have been much more like the people in the old testament that lived to be 800 years of age. Can you imagine what would take place? And we love to say, well not us. We're we would never do that. It's easy to look at other people when we're sitting in here in this era of time and looking back and say I would never. But you don't know what your heart would do back then. You didn't live in Rome? you weren't experiencing the culture, you wouldn't know what it would be like to be on Onesimus, Philemon, or Paul. But here's one thing I know about God. He's not afraid to show you and disclose to you what was going on. He's not afraid. I will tell you this today, this morning. God is not for slavery. I'm reading a scripture, and and, and, and I'm going to close up with this. But if you think he's for slavery... You need to go back and read Timothy again. You'll see he's not. He's against it big time. Big time. What he's for is changing people's hearts. And the key is this, that we need repentance first and then we need forgiveness. And we've kind of got them backwards today. We're trying to love people into heaven and you can't. You're not going to love a sinner into heaven. The gospel confronts us with our sin. It will not allow you to hide. But if you try to give them that Christian, oh, let's just love everybody, just love everybody. Well, we've done that. We've done that and now we've got a big mess. I'm going to love people, but don't ask me to tiptoe around the gospel either. If it says in the Bible, there it is. Well, you can't hide from it. Jesus said, hey man, listen, if you're ashamed of me, Ashamed of you. Don't hide the gospel. I'm so glad people didn't hide the gospel from me. I, mean, I was a kid when I was ten years of age, and I remember when this took place. And <clears throat> I was ten years of age. This girl in fifth grade, she kept driving me nuts to come to church. Fifth grade, little evangelist, you know what I mean, like one of them kind. Kept on. She wouldn't stop. And I'm finally, I'm like, what? okay, fine. I'll go to your stinking church. I mean, that's really, I think what I said, something like that. Maybe, hopefully that's what it was. But anyway, I'll go, I go to your church. I'm in a fifth grade. And I get there, and this guy's preaching. He used to preach in cowboy boots, man. He wasn't no joke. Big man, big old guy. So he had preached, and his face would get all red and stuff. And like, you know, I can't do that. I'm afraid I'll pass out if I get too like that. I mean, he would just like, cowboys. I thought, man, he's going to kick somebody in cowboy boots like you know, don't mess with this guy. Four or five weeks in, they look at me. The mama of this girl, they all been picking me up, and then they assign some other families to pick me up. They look at me and they say, Jody, have you ever been saved? They didn't say, do you know God loves you? You know God cares about you. Well, yeah, they, people said that before, but directly to my face, are you saved? Have you ever been saved? I don't think so. What do you want to be? I don't know. And here's what they led into. Here's a big preacher man with a cowboy boots says, the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glorious gospel. The tears are coming down his eyes as he's talking to me. This big man who's this red-faced preacher one minute, now he's crying. I'm like, why is he crying? In his cowboy boots. He starts talking about the gospel and keeps saying, Jody, you got sin in your heart, son. Oh, man, for a kid who didn't have a dad, like when you hear somebody say son, it's like, oh, man. All of a sudden, I'm like, what's wrong with me? I guess overwhelming feeling of like guilt. Like, you know, I can't get away from it now. But I feel this overwhelming side of mercy if I just say yes, but I don't know what I'm saying yes to. And so this man, he says, I'll lead you in prayer to Christ right now, if you'll let me. I'm like, it's like I couldn't say no. Okay, sounds good. He kneels down in front of the couch there. He and the lady and those other people in the room, they're all crying. I'm like, what are they all crying for? I'm thinking, I don't know what's about to happen, but apparently it must be a big deal. He says, won't you get on your knees there, son? Okay, yes, sir. By the time my knees hit, my little heart just melted. I prayed, crying, snotting, oh, and just prayed pray, and received Christ right then. And this guy, this preacher who has cowboy boots and red face, he is tears streaming on his face. He never apologized for the gospel. He never said, it's okay, son. I know you don't have a daddy. It's okay if you act like you do. He didn't do that. Well, I know you've had a hard life. I'm just so sorry for you, but that's why you can be the way that you are. No, 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 he wasn't doing that. He said, there's no excuse. You're a sinner. I am? Everybody else had told me, I hate it for you, you had a hard life. I hate it for you that your daddy's not there. I hate it that this goes on. Not him? No excuse, son. You're a sinner just like me. So that's the one thing about Christ is he puts us all on the same level and says we are all sinners. And because of the jacked up heart of the human race, issues are in the Bible that God does not hide to show you there are issues everywhere that we're not going to be able to fix. We're going to try our best. But the best way we're going to fix it is starting right here. We allow God to do a work in this. It's going to fix this stuff. Because our hearts are right. Right? On our staff, we don't have any issues of, well, I don't know about this. We talk about everything. Why? Because our heart's right. When our heart's right, we can break through some things. If our heart's right. So this morning, I want to pray for you. And if you're sitting in this room right now, man, and I know I've said a mouthful, but you're sitting in this room right now and you're holding a grudge against anyone in any of these areas. I want you to give this to the Lord this morning. The scripture is very clear about this. Jesus said in Luke 17, 3, Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. What Jesus was saying, if he repents, then you forgive him. Forgiveness means I'm going to to. I'm going to put you right back here with me. I'm going to give you that ground back. But if he doesn't repent, we, we've got this thing messed up where we think, well, I just got to forgive everybody. Eh, be careful of that. That's why I tell ladies all the time if he's abusive, you don't forgive him and let him back in the house. Let's see if he's going to repent. I thought we were just supposed to forgive everybody. You're going to release people. That's what we're going to do right now. But you're not putting him back in the house if he's abusive. If someone stole from him, you're not going to sit there, and hang out with him, and go to the store with them. If someone did you wrong, you're not going to sit there and betray you, and you're not going to put them back in the position where they were before. You're going to wait and see if there's repentance. You all understand what I'm saying this morning, right? Repentance. So this morning, if you're here, and someone has come to you and they have tried to repent, but you won't let it go. How do you know if it's repentance? Because they change. Repentance isn't like this. My dad would tell me every single time, Son, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was drunk. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I won't do it anymore. I promise I won't do it anymore. It's a lie. He'd do it the next one, same thing. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to, uh, it's a lie. So that's not, repentance is, I'm changing. God, give me the grace and the mercy. Help me, I'm going to change. And you see, the change that's there. When I keep letting someone run over me, if they change, we'll start talking. So, but Christians want to say, well, we just got to forgive everybody. No, we're going to release them, hold no grudges. But I'm not putting them back in my house if they're tearing down the place. you understand what I'm saying, right? So, this morning, if you've got a grudge, want you close your eyes and bow your head? The Lord can't fix poverty in the world if our hearts are holding grudges. He can't fix slavery in the world if our hearts are holding grudges. He can't feed, He can't fix hungry kids across the world while we still hold grudges against people. I didn't say you gotta put them back in the house, didn't say you gotta let them back in your life. I'm just saying right now, if you're holding a grudge over anybody, God wants to do a work in your heart first and then leave them to him. Let him work on them. But right now in this room, just want to pray for you with your eyes closed, no one looking around. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray for every person in this room and God, I ask you to help people release right now. Lord, I just sense in my heart there are grudges that are there not because someone intended them to be there, not because they they on purpose put them there but they've been hurt, they've been betrayed they've been done wrong, something happened and they put a wall up and said I just cannot release this person and I'm asking you Holy Spirit to do a work in our hearts God that you would break down that stony heart in our life help us to release people that have hurt us just while your eyes are closed let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's just going to be a proclamation and a prayer this morning. If you don't know Christ, I want you to pray this prayer with me. The whole church is going to pray together. But if you're in this room and you have a grudge or something you need to release, I'm going to pray a prayer. You're going to pray with me. And we're all going to release this thing this morning. We're going to let it go. So I want you to pray this with me right now. This whole church, you're online as well. We're going to pray this prayer right now. Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today I acknowledge that my heart needs some help and I confess that you are the Lord the Son of the living God resurrected from the dead and I accept you as my Savior in Jesus' name Lord I ask you to forgive me and redeem me in Jesus name and dear Lord I ask you right now to help me I ask you Lord to help me release people I'm offended with in Jesus name Father I give them to you I do not hold hostage them any longer, I put them in your hands and I release them in Jesus' mighty name. Now, dear Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, we've done this, we've set this free, we've let this go. In Jesus' name, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you fill every heart with peace, with comfort, with joy. In the name of Jesus, you said that there is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would feel what we have just given away and replace it with joy and with peace and the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you pray that prayer for salvation, we're so proud of you this morning. Right, church, would you give him a hand this morning, please? <clears throat> so awesome, so awesome. So proud of you. If you pray that prayer, we want to help you get started walking with Christ. And just go to simplyconnect.cornerstonerome.com. We'll get you started walking with Christ. Before we go, I always like to speak this over your life. If you don't mind standing to your feet this morning, and the thing is this, I, I just feel, I don't know who you are, but I just want you to know something. When you walk out those doors today, you seriously do this. You leave whatever it was against that person in this room. We will clean it all up and throw it in a trash can this week. You spiritually, you just say, I'm, I prayed and I'm, I've done. I'm let it, I've let it go. It's up to God now. I'm living in God's hands, but I'm walking out this door today. But my heart filled with joy. I got peace. I got I got joy in my heart. I'm not going to pick that up again in Jesus' name. Alright? Alright, before we go, we love to speak this over you out of Numbers chapter six. <clears throat> the scriptures say, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you so much, man. You're dismissed. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.